I have swept away your offenses like a cloud. Your sins, like the morning mist, return to me, for I have redeemed you. Our brother Dean will bring us this morning's message, the alabaster box. Good morning. The alabaster box, also known as, I'm a great sinner, but Jesus is a greater Savior. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with her hairs of her head, and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she... For she's a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed five hundred pence and the other fifty. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him the most? Simon answered and said, I suppose he that to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, He turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said unto the woman, Thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. There are salvation events and stories too numerous to count in the scripture, but there is one that is so precious and special to Jesus himself. From his own lips he said these words in Matthew 26:13, Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall this also that this woman hath done be told for a memorial of her. This is an astounding statement of all the powerhouse texts and events in Scripture. The only story event that Jesus said would be told until the end of time, it is this story. Now, how Jesus' words are most interesting. Note that it starts out with the word verily. We have the creator God telling us his created beings verily, meaning listen carefully. 
I have something important to say to you, very important to tell you. And even more importantly, Jesus says that this story is the gospel. Now we're getting really serious. Jesus links this story to his cross and salvation because Paul defines the gospel as the cross of Jesus and his death and resurrection for us so that we might go home with Jesus one day soon to the heavens Canaan land. Jesus used the word gospel in this story of the alabaster box and links it closely to Revelation 18.1, which says, And after these things I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. This is referring to the gospel that will go to all the world and to this planet at the end of time. Also we remember Revelation 14, And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having everlasting gospel to those that preach unto them that dwell on the earth to every nation and kindred, tongue and people. So here we find the word gospel again, the same gospel that Jesus said in Matthew about our story of the alabaster box and the story of Mary, the woman of the night. A woman who was a great sinner, but in the end Mary knew that she was indeed a great sinner, but Jesus was a greater savior. It is interesting to me that this story we will study is told in all four Gospels. Many of the parables and events during Jesus' life and his miracles are told in one or two of the Gospels, some only in one. But this story must be very important because Jesus arranged for it to be in all four Gospels. So the following will be a collage of all the four Gospels' account of this. Some experts from Desire of Ages and Jesus said this would be preached until the end of time, until he comes back to take us all home. Matthew 26, Mark 14, Luke 7, and John 11 and 12. So if we watch closely, we will see Mary working her way through the crowd, desperately trying not to be seen, trying to get through to Jesus. And this Pharisee Simon had come down with leprosy in those days, a death warrant at that time. Jesus had healed him, saving Simon from a miserable, miserable death before he was to die. He would have been by the roadside in rags, in rags, begging for bread and crying out to all who would come his way, unclean, unclean. And the custom was for some kind of kind-hearted person to, from a distance, throw the beggar some bread. Many nights he would have had to pull his rags around him and lay down beside the road for the night hungry because people were afraid even to get near him on that day. The scripture simply says Jesus had healed Simon from leprosy. So this Simon fellow believed Jesus to be a great teacher. He also hoped that he might be the long-awaited Messiah. He had not quite decided yet in his own mind if he were actually the Messiah. Can you imagine that? It is amazing how our human nature and thinking works. Simon had been saved from an agonizing death and loss of all family and friends to be a beggar beside the road, hungry and starving. And yet he still doubted whether Jesus was the Messiah. So Simon decided to have a dinner party and invite Jesus to the occasion, you see. Enter another person in the story, one man by name of Lazarus. Simon thought this will be an event of the ages. The whole town will talk about what I've done here. He placed himself on the side of Jesus and then 
He placed on the other side of himself Lazarus, the man raised from the dead. That was quite a party. Also invited were all sorts of high-ranking Pharisees, and it was quite an event. Lazarus' sister Martha was to serve the food for this party. Mary, where was Mary? Well, Mary was not invited, for you see, the whole town knew she was a woman of the night, a sinner. She was an outcast. Now, Mary, the Bible clearly tells us that Jesus had cast out seven devils, count them, seven devils from her over time that had come to live in her mind and heart. Remember, we are combining Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John's account of this story. So we have high-ranking friends of Simon, Lazarus, a man raised from the dead, Jesus, the healer, and we have the disciples there, including one man named Judas. Mary had sat at Jesus' feet hearing stories, watching miracles, had talked to him personally, had experienced salvation by that point. She had heard Jesus talk of his impending death, and her heart was broken. This man whom she knew in her heart was the Messiah. You see, no longer was her mind darkened. She had heard Jesus say he was going to die as a young man. She had perceived more than all the disciples could understand. Mary. The disciples, they had eyes, but they couldn't see. They had ears, but they couldn't hear. So if we watch closely, we will see Mary working her way through the crowd. She probably came in a side door, desperately trying not to be seen, trying to get through to Jesus. Finally, she got through to him, clutching in her hand an alabaster box filled with one year's of earnings in the form of an alabaster box filled with the most expensive perfume she could find. Mary had grown up in her home with brother Lazarus and Martha. They had loved Jesus. The Bible says Jesus liked to go there for rest and recuperation. She had listened to his parables, had seen his miracles. She certainly knew of the Old Testament stories of Cain and Abel, where one brother chose to serve and one chose not to serve the God. She certainly knew of the story of Abraham and Isaac going up to Mount Moriah for the sacrifice, which later would be Mount Calvary, where Jesus would die. She certainly knew of Joshua, where he said, Choose you now this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. She probably knew of David writing these words, Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. She likely had read Isaiah 6, where Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips, and among a people of unclean lips, but I have seen the king. Yes, Mary, by this time, had seen her king. She certainly knew of Isaiah 53. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. She certainly was beginning to understand when she heard Jesus say that he would die very soon. She had read Isaiah 40, most certainly. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, Feigneth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, 
Mary had felt that. And to them that had no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. The young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength and shall mount up with wings as eagles. And they shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not be faint. She probably had read Isaiah 42. And I will bring the blind by a way that they know not. I will lead them in paths that they know not. I will make darkness light before them and crooked things straight. These things will I do unto them and not forsake them. Mary hung on to those words. I, even I, from Isaiah 43, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember my sins. Oh, she hung on to that one. Isaiah 44, I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions, and as a cloud thy sins return unto me, for I have redeemed me. She certainly hung on to that one. Look unto me, and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he was near. Let the wicked forsake his way. Mary had done that. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Then Mary one day earlier had come across these words in Isaiah, Isaiah 49, verse 16. This was the best of all. For behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. I have graven thee, Mary, upon the palms of my hands. Jesus had saved her from an eternal death at the second resurrection. Her heart overflowed with love and gratitude. She suddenly had worked her way to Jesus' side. She took the precious, expensive alabaster box of perfume and spikenard and broke it, pouring it on Jesus' head and his feet. Then she knelt at his feet, weeping uncontrollably, and wiped her tears, falling on his feet, and she kissed his feet and then wiped away her tears with her hair. What a scene. This is one of the most precious scenes in the entire Bible. A sinner kneeling at the feet of Jesus, trying her best to express her thankfulness for being saved. Her earthly life was saved, but also her eternity forever was saved. The aroma filled the entire room. Suddenly every eye was upon Mary, something that she shuddered from. Before this, she had quietly slipped into the room unnoticed, and now everyone knew she was there. Judas, well, Judas immediately looked upon this with great displeasure to the point of anger. Why was not this sold and the money given to me to give to the poor, he said. The truth was that Judas did not care about the poor. He did carry the money bag for Jesus and the disciples, but... Secretly, he had been thieving all along. He said, that, he said this not because he had any desire to help the poor at all. Next, he spread his displeasure to the disciples and those around him. His words recorded in Scripture, Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and the money given to the poor? To what purpose is this waste? 
What a contrast between Mary and Judas. Judas knowing his, Jesus knowing his inner motive had no regard for Jesus or the poor. Mary was heartbroken as she heard these words from Judas. She started to slip away, but then that melodious voice was heard in that room. The voice of Jesus, let her alone, why trouble her? She hath wrought a good work in me, for you have the poor always with you, but you do not always have me with you. She has done what she could. She is come to anoint my body beforehand of the burying. The precious perfume that was to have been poured out on his dead body was now used to pour out on his living body. The woman who came to the tomb of Jesus with their perfume arrived after he arose on the morning of the resurrection. Their perfume was not used. But Mary had brought hers while he was still alive, just a few hours before he went to the cross. Inspiration tells us from Desire of Ages, Mary pouring our, out her love upon the Savior while he was conscious of her devotion was anointing him for the burial. And as he knelt, as she knelt down, as he went down into the darkness of the great trial of the cross, he carried with him the memory of that deed and earnest of the love that would be his final redeemed ones for eternity. Mary knew not the full significance of her deed of love. She could not answer her accusers. She could not explain why he, she had chosen that occasion to anoint Jesus. The Holy Spirit had planned it for her, and she had obeyed his promptings. Inspiration stoops to give no reason. An unseen present, it speaks to mind and soul and moves the heart to action. It is its own justification. Christ told Mary the meaning of her act, and in this he gave her more than he had received. In that she hath poured this ointment on my body, he said, she did it for my burial. As the, as the alabaster box was broken and filled the whole house with its fragrance, so Christ was to die, his body was to be broken, and he was to rise from the tomb, and the fragrance of his life was to fill the whole earth. Jesus, meanwhile, did not directly rebuke Judas, but he saw through him like a window glass. Deep into his character and his soul, Judas, Jesus did this without anyone in the room knowing except Judas. And he went directly from Simon's dinner party to the high priest's council, and he offered to betray Jesus Christ. The money he was offered, 30 pieces of silver, was of far less value than the cost of the alabaster box of perfume. It's interesting that Jesus accepted the gift from Mary of the ill-gotten money that she used to buy this spikenard. Just 30 pieces of silver, and with that act, Judas condemned himself to come up in the second resurrection, and his name will be forgotten forevermore. Judas made his choice right then. Another character in our story, Simon the Pharisee, had been healed of leprosy. So this night of the party, instead of begging beside the road in rags, going to bed hungry, he was 
and calling out, unclean, unclean, and hoping somebody would throw some food to him, he had no idea what was coming his way. He had been proudly sitting at the table, Lazarus on one side, Jesus on the other, surrounded by his special friends. He had no idea what was about to happen. He had been influenced by the words of Judas to what is this waste? Even after his cure from leprosy, he began to doubt Jesus was the Messiah. It's strange how our minds work, is it not? The room became quiet. Jesus was speaking. There were only two people in the room who were to understand what Jesus was going to say, Simon and Mary. Simon had been thinking that if Christ were truly the Son of God and the Messiah, he would have rebuked this sinful woman who had touched him and kissed his feet. For you see, Simon was the first one that had led Mary into sin. Jesus said, Simon, I have somewhat to say to you. A certain man had two debtors. The one owed him 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. As did Nathan with David, Christ concealed his truth under the veil of a parable. He threw upon his host the burden of pronouncing sentence upon himself. Simon had led the, this woman into sin, but he now despised her. She had been deeply wronged by him. By the two debtors of the parable, Simon and the woman were represented. Jesus did not design to teach that different degrees of obligation should be felt by the two persons, for each owed a debt of gratitude that never could be repaid. Never could be repaid. But Simon felt himself more righteous than Mary, you see. And Jesus desired him to see how great his guilt really was. He would show him that his sin was greater than hers, as much greater as a debt of 500 pence than 50 pence. Simon now began to see himself in a new light. He saw how Mary was regarded by the one who was more than a prophet. He saw that with keen prophetic eye, Christ read her heart of love and devotion. Shame seized upon him, and he realized that he was in the presence of the Almighty God. Jesus had more to tell Simon. I entered into thine house, Christ continued. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but with tears of repentance prompted by love, Mary hath washed my feet and wiped them with the hair of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman whom you despise since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. Christ recounted the opportunity Simon had had to show his love for his Lord and his appreciation of what had been done for him. Plainly, yet with delicate politeness, the Savior assured his disciples that his heart is grieved when his children neglect to show gratitude to him by words and deeds of love. The heart searcher read a motive that led to Mary's actions, and he saw also the spirit that prompted Simon's words. Seest thou this woman? He said to him, She is a sinner, but I say unto thee, Simon, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. Oh, 
forgiveness is linked to loving the Lord. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. Simon's coldness and neglect toward the Savior showed how little he appreciated the mercy he had received. He had thought he honored Jesus by inviting him to a party. But he now saw himself as he really was. While he he thought himself reading his guest, the guest had been reading him. He saw how true Christ's judgment of him was. His religion had been a robe of Phariseeism. He had despised the compassion of Jesus. He had not recognized him as the representative of God. While Mary was a sinner pardoned, he was a sinner unpardoned. The rigid rule of justice he had desired to enforce against her, he condemned himself. Simon was touched by the kindness of Jesus in not opening, openly rebuking him before the guests. He had not been treated as he desired Mary to be treated. He saw that Jesus did not wish to expose his guilt to others. Denunciation would have hardened Simon against repentance. But patient admonition convinced him of his error. He saw the magnitude of the debt which he owed his Lord. His pride was humbled. He repented, and the proud Pharisee became a lowly, self-sacrificing servant of, disciple, of, of a disciple of Jesus. Mary had been looked upon as a great sinner, but Christ knew the circumstances that had shaped her life. Christ knew the circumstances that had shaped her life. He might have extinguished every spark of hope in her soul, but he did not do so. It was he who had lifted her from the despair and ruin, but he did not do so. He did not condemn her. It was he who had lifted her from despair. Seven times he had heard, she had heard this rebuke of the demons that controlled her heart and mind. She had heard his strong cries to the Father on her behalf. She knew how offensive is sin, and in his strength she had overcome. When to human eyes her case appeared hopeless, Christ saw in Mary capabilities for good. He saw the better traits of her character. The plan of redemption was in, has invested humanity with great possibilities, and in Mary these possibilities were to be realized. Through his grace she became a partaker of the divine nature. The one who had fallen and whose mind had been a habitation of demons was brought very near to the Savior in fellowship and ministry. It was Mary who sat at his feet and learned of him. It was Mary who poured upon his head the precious anointing oil and bathed his feet with her tears. Mary was one who stood beside the cross and followed him to the sepulcher. Mary had the privilege of being the first human being to be at the tomb after his resurrection. It was Mary who ran to the disciples and first proclaimed a risen Savior. Jesus knows the circumstances of every soul. You may say, I am sinful, very sinful. You may be, but the worse you are, 
the more you need Jesus. He turns no weeping, contrite one away. He does not tell to any all that he might reveal, but he bids every trembling soul take courage. Take courage. Freely he will pardon all who come to him for forgiveness and restoration. Christ might commission the angels of heaven to pour out the vials of his wrath on this world at this time to destroy those who are filled with hatred of God. He might wipe this dark spot of planet away from the universe, but he does not do this. He is today standing at the altar of incense presenting before God the prayers of those who desire and seek him. The souls that turn to him for refuge, Jesus lifts above the accusing and the strife of tongues. No man or evil angel can impeach those souls. They are safe in his hand. Christ unites them to his own divine human nature. They stand beside the great sin bearer in the light proceeding from the throne of God. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Romans 8, 33 and 34. Since that time 2,000 years ago, this story has been told by countless preachers. We've done again so today. We are following Jesus' commands to tell the story. I love this story because in the same moment of time, literally, Jesus saved a woman of the night. He also figured out a way with divine wisdom to save an arrogant Pharisee. Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall this that this woman hath done be told as a memorial for her. It's also a memorial of Jesus and his salvation. Many centuries later, someone composed these words that fit so fittingly into this story today. Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me. Not for the years of time alone, but also for eternity. Oh, Jesus, help us to belong to you. Help us to belong to you on this earth as we set our focus on your heavenly kingdom and the new earth. Lord, help us to never forget that we belong to you, not for this time alone, but for all eternity. And as we leave this place this morning, may we remember we are entering the mission field. In Jesus' name, amen.